Hello and welcome back to the Nesson Dorma Draft. The Cricket World Cup is over. It's time to get back to football and the most sepia tinges, glory-filled, um, certainly in the public memory era of English football in the 1990s. We did England in the 80s some time ago. We only used three because we felt that was a bit of a stretch. Will the 90s deliver... Um, more options, or will we still be struggling even with the three of us? I'm joined by the two Robs here to go through the England national team in the 1990s. Rob Smythe, of course, as always. How are we, Rob? I'm good. How are you doing? Not bad. Um, how are we going to fit Jeff Thomas into your England lineup here? Now, now, now. Barely start abusing people. <laughs> <laughs> you went for the day for about Jeff Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Fletcher's here as well. How are we, Rob? Yeah, not too, but I'm just going to try and see if I can work all 10 England forwards that were available at this time. (laughs) See what happens there. Plenty of goals in the Premier League. Um, Not a lot of goals in in an England strip. Is this just because of the reliance, or reliance, but the the dominance of of one or two strikers, Rob Smythe? Is that why so so many of these guys just didn't get a look in? I'm now just thinking about a DM doubling Chris Sutton centre back partnership. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's the thing. Oh, you look at these players, think, geez, they're brilliant. But actually, when you think about it, they just didn't play that much, did they? Like um, mm. Ian Wright, Les Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler were never regulars. Ferdinand, maybe a little bit under Graham Taylor, but not much. Um, so, yeah, it was always Lineker. Then, so 92 to 94 is kind of anyone's wasn't it? And then Venables made Shearer as number one. That was kind of it then. Um, Michael Owen came late. So, yeah, it looks brilliant. And, they, um, you know, domestically, they're all fantastic. It's ridiculous that even someone as good as Chris Sutton won one cap, albeit partly mm. he told Holland to piss off. But, um, yeah, just couldn't get games. Rob Fletcher, Rob and I lived through this from first moment to last. You're a bit of a latecomer. Um, no World Cups until 1998 for you, but you know, uh, Euro 96 being that introduction at home, included in all the hype and, and festival of it all. Um, what were the 90s like for you as a youngster? So as a five-year-old around Italian 90, the only thing I knew about football was they wore a really fetching tracksuit, which I did have, <laughs> um, the full lot, um, the Gaza one. Um, and I had the kit as well. Then Euro 92, I was still a little bit, didn't really know what football was. 94 was sort of my first exposure. And England weren't there. So it was kind of a weird World Cup to to look at. And then Euro 96, it was like hysteria from really weird, like empty feeling in 94. It's an absolute hysteria of we're almost certainly going to win a tournament because (laughs) why wouldn't we in 96? And then 98 felt like our league was really strong. The squad was really strong. And then it was just a, it's actually a very odd tournament for England that one year with selection, the players, obviously the Beckham incident, the Argentina game, which was an incredible game. And the first, well, the, the first two times I cried at football was the penalty defeat to Germany in 96, the penalty <laughs> defeat to Argentina in 98. So forever burnt into my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Penalties may come up today. Um, Robert feels like a bit of a transition. Was it such a weird. Decade, decades are a long time. I mean, when are you ever going to get a very clear, concise, consistent narrative, I guess? But you have two incredible cultural highlights in 1990 semi-finals. Um, you have possibly, even though Hoddle did his best to you know, make a mess of that squad, one of the strongest 
balanced England squads there was in, in 98, in my opinion. Then you have these Taylor years, um, which which was a bit of a, a, a hodgepodge and, and, and all sorts of guys getting a cap, no fit Gascoigne, no fit Shearer for, for large parts of that. So, you know, Taylor was a wee bit unlucky. There's just so many highs and lows um, that it, it's maybe hard to get a, a hand on the decade as a whole, even though we're, we're, we're going to try through the the way of the draft today. No, you're right. And the 80s is a lot, I'm not quite smooth because Euro 88 was a big low, but it's a lot more mm. consistent in mood, I think. Yeah. And that's partly because it was the same manager most of the time. The five managers in the 90s, and they're all so yeah. different from one to the next. Yeah. Robson to Taylor, Taylor to Venables. Venables to Hoddle, who was as good tactically, but a completely different type of man manager, and also probably slightly more pragmatic. Then you go to Keegan, the naive dreamer, right at the end. So maybe that's part of it. But you're right. It's interesting that the groups of players who, you know, by the by the end of the decade, you've got pretty much the same squad that did so well in France 98. And they're stumbling all over the show, trying to qualify from a rare, fairly easy group for Euro 2000. Yeah, so I think you're right. It kind of it really kind of moved. The mood swings are incredible, really. To go from 90 to 94, but then within two years, you're suddenly back at the semi-final. Um, yeah, it's an interesting decade, actually. Uh, for so many reasons also i think it was also when and you, you talk about this better than me but when it became a bit more fragmented in terms of club support as well uh liverpool fans had always been a bit suspicious i think this was a decade a lot of man united fans kind of not disowned england but became more kind of ambivalent because ambivalent of yeah anyone but united stuff and so yeah quite an interesting decade really it is indeed uh one very close to they all are. my heart as a uh teenager through of it but that's um, maybe a pod for another day let's do the all-important draft then gentlemen uh, see if rob's luck um, do you want to just put me two it... in and i'll go third <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't does it really matter with three i'm not entirely sure it does but no um, probably not here we go uh they're in alphabetical order at the moment Ooh, go. Bloody hell. I'm, I'm, i genuinely i actually genuinely haven't thought about this because i assumed it wouldn't happen <laughs> Um, okay, so Rob's up be... first, then it's me, uh, and then it's Rob Fletcher. Before we get to mm. oh, formation, um, yes, yeah, formation, then guys, who do I have to go first for that? Yeah, you do, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pick a back three because all the good England teams of the 80s and 90s either played a back three or had, in the case of 96, had the capacity to play a back three and sometimes did. Obviously, Venable yeah. seems very flexible. 1990, mostly a back three or sweeper. 98 back three, so I'm going to do that. And also, then I want to find a left winger. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking three as well, I'll, I'll be honest, for, for the reasons you mentioned. Um, the 4 4 2 just slightly passe by this point. I guess it was by 1990, given um, the big famous changes. Rob, you're th- Rob Fletcher, you're third in the draft. Are you going to change? You're going to try and hoover up Full house. Full house on a back three. And I think it's quite interesting that the 4-4-2 decade, if you like, in, in Premier League terms yeah. in, in the 90s, didn't really happen for the national team until Sven Jorn Eriksson came in <laughs> later on in the early 2000s. And it was 4-4-2, all, you know, much, very much Mike Bassett style, when actually Venables and Hoddle tried different things, I think, that we'd probably seen from England national team mm. um, in the 90s. So, yeah, full house and, yes, no left winger. A blow to Steve Guppy. Crossing the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Um, okay then, Rob, who 
with this your is really full... difficult. Mm, oh, now, now you're complaining that your first because of the, the, the overwhelming <laughs> the one, option swamp that you the have. The one I see, the player I think I'm going to pick, there's actually decent replace substitutes thought of, but look, English football, England national team, 1990s, Paul Gascoigne, mainly because of Italian 90 when I thought he was incredible. I actually think he was better. You could argue this with a lot of people. I think he was better than I realized at the time in the 96. But even just in the period under Taylor, he was the one person who gave you hope when he was fit. Like, I remember a game, World Cup 94 qualifier, they beat Turkey 4-0. I think he scores at least one, probably two. And he just walks around the keeper. And he just, yeah, he's the person who, particularly in the dark times, he gave you hope. And in the good times, he gave you the kind of the greatest euphoria, particularly in 1990. But also, yeah, I mean, we've done year 96, and I think he was really good there. And obviously, the way it ended was really sad. But, um, yeah, it's got to be Gascoigne. And there's also sentiment involved, of course. Of course. I mean, I would have picked him for obvious reasons as well. Um, yeah, he is outside of just the pitch, I guess. He changed the landscape here, is his humanity, yeah. his, uh, his connection with uh, a, a growing middle-class public watching at home, which sparked uh, the penny finally dropping with TV execs that actually, if you do this well... Um, people will a buy it, and then they will actually want to come and watch this sport again. Um, and there are, of course, other huge factors involved, but he was the face of that. And and sometimes history turns on moments. Um, Nineteen ninety was that moment, but in terms of one goal, one particular moment, it will probably have to be this. Well, one more. Oh, here's Gascoigne. Gascoigne, he can finish it here! Paul Gascoigne! 2-0! Would you believe it? From one end of the field to the other, the crowd are in raptures. The England players too. When it could so easily a minute ago have been 1-1, Seaman's save kept England ahead, and now Gascoigne has increased it to 2-0. There might be another big uh, solo moment that we'll, we'll look at later on, Rob. What? But my yeah. word, there's 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 yeah. a, a cultural. I mean, our backdrop to this this recording is, of course, that that celebration. There's everything everything in it. Skill, the yeah. the context of all the the kind of news and the the personality around him, and this even this tension within English football at that time between professionalism and this, let's say, lack of professionalism off off the <laughs> field. It's all in the one place. Though. Yeah, and he just had amazing timing, didn't he? I mean, if England are three 0 up, I bet he doesn't score that goal. It's just nope. something about the fact he just missed a penalty. They were under the heightened circumstances of U ninety six and everything. I know I say this a lot, but the thing I love most about Gascoigne is players who can dribble in the centre of the pitch are just gold because they just take people out of the game and expose them. Foden potentially has that quality, I think, for England now, but no one's done it better than Gascoigne, just kind of barreling past people with skill and strength. Uh, and I, yeah, just a great player. That that moment, I mean, must be weird for you as a Rangers fan watching that, or at live. I mean, uh, you're talking about ambivalence towards the national team earlier, Rob. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, it, wasn't <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't specific to, to 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 England, shall we say? Uh, but again, yeah. that that is a pod for another day. It was. I mean, it's a Rangers goalkeeper. He he beats, of course. Um, screaming at Colin Hendry to stay and don't get lulled in, don't lunge in, and he gets sold. Um, you just think to pay so to get back like, into Wembley. 
so many iconic moments. I haven't thought about this, but of the nineties, he's just there. Even the um, the fantastic Shearer goal against the Netherlands in ninety six. He starts that by again by beating people. Even like um, Platt's free kick, and I know it's only a walk on a Platt's volley against Belgium. It's only a walk on part, but it's Gaspin's free kick. Um, yeah, just yeah. I feel like yeah. I think the big he, like he gave he just gave us hope really at a time when England were mm. could be absolute shite, um, and he was. Also an embodiment of the kind of good times as well. So yeah, as, as a kid, he was probably one of the first stars that I ever became aware of. My, my uncle was a massive um, Gaza fan, so he had on video nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety one Spurs season mm-hmm. review videos and the Gaza documentary they made after Italia ninety. So basically, a lot of my like you know age six, seven, eight was just literally watching Gaza dribble, and then mm-hmm. when Football Italia arrived, he was there. He was moving to Lazio. And then when Euro 96 comes around, he's there with the blonde hair and the celebration. Then in 98, he's playing for Middlesbrough. And obviously, he doesn't get picked. And all he is literally almost that cultural cornerstone of football from that sort of mid-80s transitioning into sort of the, the football stardom that we saw probably grow in the 90s, I think. And it's quite poignant that he helped create a culture that's kind of sort of half-washed his hands of him. Which as uh, his life has got tougher, mm. which I find quite hard to um, kind of rationalise. But anyway, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was my ultimate Rangers hero because you know Ali's there and he was there forever and kind of constant through um, younger days and teenage days. But no one quite gripped the fan in me like like Gascoigne because no one could do. What he could do, just in terms of that that, that street football that, um, that that takes to the professional game kind of thing, um, and I will be on stage with him in March in the heart yeah, of no. glittering West End. So, um, looking forward to that. Um, you mentioned uh, another goal there, Rob, that Gascoigne was involved in um, a few nights later, finished by the man that I have to choose. Finds mm. McManaman, Gascoigne. Sharing him in again, and Shearer, and it's 3 This is a fantastic England performance now. You will not see a better team goal than this in the tournament, possibly, because there's so many players could have had egos. I mean, especially this man, Paul Gascoigne. He could have gone on here, sees the spare man, lays a lovely ball in. I think it's to Sheringham. It was. And Sheringham could have hit this, but what does he do? Says here you are, Shearer. You're going to be a top scorer in this tournament. And what a finish this is. But we've come to expect that of him. Shearer two, Sheringham one. Here we see it again. Yeah, it has to be Shearer. Uh, Linick in the 80s, Shearer in the 90s. And that's with, again, a couple of years, uh, a year or so out with, with bad injury. And then a barren run, a famous barren run, which of course comes to... Um, a shuddering end at Euro 96. He, I was spoken about before, um, this seemed to be the kind of modern striker. He, he, he was good in the air, he was strong, he was tough, but he was also just a very good kind of penalty box striker outside the box. He could he could hit a ball, Rob, as he, uh, as he did there. Um, if that Gascoigne goal, if it's not Michael Owen, it would be, be the Gascoigne goal, the kind of height of individual England moments, mm. Rob Fletcher. Was that goal just a few nights later, maybe the apotheosis of, of England as a team 
in the 1990s. King Keegan thinks it might be the best team goal. He's not entirely sure who's involved in that team goal right enough. But um, <laughs> was was that night and that goal, the kind of crystallisation, as, as good as it got from an England performance in the 90s? I think that game was one of the, the games for, for me, probably as a fan and probably for, for football in our country in the sense that that Dutch team was made up of the Ajax side from 94 to 96. who would had consecutive Champions League finals. We'd seen them on domestic TV, playing well, doing well. And we had this England team that absolutely demolished them, like really played them off the park that night. And it did start to feel really inevitable that we were going to get to the final, we were going to win. And you felt at that point that it wasn't going to get that much better. And obviously the Spain game is quite interesting after that. But Shearer here, this is a man who knows exactly who he is as a footballer, exactly what he's good at. And I think <laughs> Venables knew that as well. And I think playing Sheringham over all of the other strikers that were available to him meant that Alan Shearer could be Alan Shearer. Yeah. Like you could argue that maybe you could have used Chris Sutton, but Sheringham just fit in with the rest of the team and, and allowed Shearer to, to basically do what he did in that tournament, which was pretty incredible. And also by picking Sheringham, there's no doubt, is there? For example, if you pick Shearer and Ferdinand, and maybe Shearer thinks, well, if we ever go back to number 10, then I could beat. But he just, Sheringham kind of, a bit like Beardsley for Lineker. The cut, yeah. Keegan talks about egos, and it, it becomes all about Shearer, which is perfect then, because as you say, he was pretty comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. I, one thing I find interesting okay. Shearer, yeah. is that, Sorry. So I think, I think he was at his best club level from 93 to 97 I thought he was a monster yeah yeah and actually in only about 18 months of that for England does he play really well now I'm not disputing the choice because he was the other one I thought about and ultimately golden boot would at Euro 86 and 96 scored more goals than anyone else in the decade for England but I do find that interesting but in that period in particular he was amazing I always remember when he scored that absolute rasper against Poland and Ferguson in his diary put Alex Ferguson put, he, hit, he hit the ball like he wanted to kill it which kind of sums up Shearer <laughs> and Batistuta and people like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, just fantastic. And, and for those four years in particular, like just frighteningly good. A club. All level. right, Gascoigne. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Gascoigne. That sounded like Shearer a dig. It's not meant that way at all. He was the one I was thinking of with Gascoigne. <laughs> but yeah, it's not that. Yeah, at all. No surprise that these two are um, first up. Rob Fletcher, you have two. And where are we going? Oh, right. Okay. So this is where I feel like it starts getting a little bit tricky when you start looking at two picks you've got to make. And then you start looking at the stats. You look at who's played more minutes, but who maybe had a bigger impact. So I'm going to, uh, for the early side of the 90s, I think, with my side, with my two picks, actually. And I'm going to go Don't for. Do Don't do it. I'm going to put Gary Lineker in there because he's still got goals. He's still got plenty of goals um, in this part, even though obviously from 90 to 92, was not even going to say a decline because he was still scoring goals at domestic level. He was still scoring goals at international level. But, you know, there's a lot of talk in the papers and the press at the time. Who's going to replace Lineker when he finishes in 92, after Euro 92? But I still think he was a great player at that time and has scored plenty. And just look at the way he played football in the box. Obviously, looking back at videos of Italian 90, looking at his goals that he scored, there's not that many players who were like Gary Lineker. You know, when he's in his prime and in the box and just he always seemed to be, I mean, quite ironically, like a toe in front of everybody else. Like <laughs> when that ball was bouncing around, he was there and he'd be in there, you know, prodding it in. Right. And I'm, I'm, I mean, 
because a double pick, I need another goal scorer. And I've toyed with another one, but I'm going to go for David Platt because he spans that Italian 90, Euro 92, Euro 96 kind of era, and he scored a lot of goals for England. He actually scored only one less goal than Shearer in the 90s, which is quite amazing. Took fewer penalties as well. Yeah, and I think he was an excellent midfielder, dynamic you probably say at the time they probably called him a box-to-box player, but he's very much more uh, arriving in the box these days. He'd be an attacking midfielder. He'd probably score a lot of goals if he was around. So I feel like I need to load up on goals because even though there's some other star strikers, the, the output wasn't as large as, as these two. Mm. That's the logic anyway, but I know that as soon as it arrives on Twitter, it'll be, why didn't you pick him? Uh, but you know, what do the public know? So we, we, as we speak, we did a Cricket World Cup one. And just out of interest, I totted up runs and wickets. And the, the lad who had the most was Jonathan Hungen. And he's currently bottom of the pole, even though his team <laughs> had more runs and more wickets. And I know it's not only about that. I think on Platt, I think he's unfortunate that his best theory was when England were crap, which in a way yeah. shows him mm-hmm. a great light because he was, mm-hmm. like, particularly when Gaston was injured, he was kind of the only one, wasn't he? Um, he also had his moments in 1990, obviously. 96, he was kind of fading. But I agree... He was England's, I mean, arguably at times their most irreplaceable player, because like particularly in those Taylor years, if they did, if they had qualified, you know, for example, even just if the referee sends Kuman off, that's because of Platt in Holland in '93, and England probably qualify. Never mind all the goals he scored. Um, I think it's because he was so efficient rather than kind of stylish that he doesn't necessarily get the credit he deserves. And he spent his prime in Italy. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and at different you know, clubs as at well. Different clubs, and he there's a lot of. Defined. Wasn't he the was he the most expensive player at one point for combined while, yeah, 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 transfer fees as an English player? And I think mm. he did well at the clubs. I mean, Juventus was a little bit different because they had a number of. Uh, they only obviously could field three foreign players, and he was him and Andy Muller. I think were going for the position quite a lot of the time. But he still got moves, and he still played a lot of games mm. at that time. And maybe that's for a certain generation of fans, and I include myself in this at the time. When he signed for Arsenal, I think it was about five or six million that he went yeah, to Arsenal for. Least, yeah. And it felt like a lot of money for a player who wasn't already in the league and yeah. was English. Because usually you only brought in players from abroad who were not English. But yeah, I think probably underrated from a, a definite post-92 generation. Yeah, I agree. I I completely agree. Um, such a good player, and still tidy at Euro '96. By the way, just tactically yeah, and, 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 yeah, yeah. and clever, he, he could absolutely do a job. Coming to that part of his career, he's not going to be uh, ghosting up in areas uh, that he, he perhaps took before. Speaking of which, um, you know, we got our moments, Rob Fletcher. So it's it's only fair that you get yours from Italian '90 with your first two picks. <laughs> Pilly for offside, the Germans and they're in trouble, Alcantara couldn't do it, Lineker probably could, and he have equalised, it's Gary Lineker! It's Gascoigne shaping to take it. And chipped in, and brought it in, and it's there by David Platt! And Bobby Robson. 
Game changers then, guys. I think we've entered the four picks so far. I think that's that's probably fair. I'm going to try and stay in that uh, that kind of vibe at the other end of the pitch because I'm not entirely sure this is a position filled with um, glory in the 1990s. If uh, Nadal misses with this one, England goes through. Well, we hope so at any rate. Yeah, goalkeeping not quite the position in, in, in with strength and depth. And I say that as, of course, uh, the president of the, the Chris Woods um, fan club. Um, <laughs> it has to be Dave Seaman before the ponytail, before Ronald Jr. and, and, and all of that. Um, nearly as important to that, that England team in the mid-90s as some of those more glamorous lights at the other end of the pitch. Um, I thought he was a, a fantastic goalkeeper. Rob, tell me why I'm wrong. Rob's my... Me? Oh, no, no. He's absolutely outstanding. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, the, the only thing is, he had one or two problems early on, didn't he? The whole coombe and he's got to flip well and stuff, but no, yeah. fantastic. Even his main, um, his kind of signature, I don't want to call them howlers, but errors were in the 2000s, like um, Ronaldinho and the Macedonian corner, I think, and yeah, even all that yeah. shit about all that shit about a piece of meat with eyes was <laughs> at Euro two thousand. Yeah, no, he's a, a fantastic keeper, um, and that's and, at the end of a career. Like a wee bit like Shelton, he's been relied upon mm. longer than he probably should be in an ideal world. If you want to keep yes. goalkeepers on absolute yes. on their toes uh, and are fresh at absolute pinnacle of the game, but such trust by that point has been invested in the name. And that's for a reason. I mean, I think Shelton stayed on too long, but it was because he had he had done so much yeah. previously in, in the 1980s. It's exact another, same thing as seen in the 90s. Another thing about him is how calm he was as well. I think the Arsenal defenders talk about this a lot. They loved that there was no... That for example, I don't think... Because one of these years, I'm going to do a book on the Man United-Arsenal rivalry, which I'm working on. And the Arsenal back four wouldn't get on with Schmeichel. They wouldn't put up with his bullshit. Um, yeah. They just... Adams talks about it a lot, and Dixon as well, basically, that you know that stuff goes on in the dressing room, not on the. They really needed that. Where and it works differently. You know, Schmeichel, Pallister, and Bruce probably wanted to chin him, but it maybe it worked. Um, but I think that's really important. I think I think I suspect seeing him as the kind of goalkeeper people love playing in front of because he was just so calm. And barring the odd like really eye catching a slightly weird exception like Naeem and Gascoigne's goal, he was just totally reliable as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, fantastic goalkeeper. He, like easily the best. Since Shilton at his peak, I guess, unless I'm forgetting someone, I'm not. No, no, he was he, he was England's goalkeeper in the 1990s. Any objections there, Rob Fletcher? No, no, I think the more big games you're playing, you're going to make some mistakes at some point in your yeah, career. Exactly. And I think, unfortunately for Seaman, you know, the nine one was a year earlier, he rebounded from that pretty well. He had some massive moments in the Euro 96, and I think obviously, if we'd have gone to 94, he probably would have been first choice at that point. I know Taylor toyed with. Other keepers, hadn't he? I think just mm. after Chris Woods was left out, but he's he's iconic for that era. You know the the goalkeeper shirts, the way he looked. It, yeah, you know it all added to what England was in the nineteen nineties for me. And he was fine in ninety eight, wasn't he? There's was nothing really. Yeah, yeah. He saved yeah. one penalty, which should 
you know, one in five is all you can. It's a decent ask. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if only he'd done one against Germany. Oh, I suppose he gave away the penalty against Batson, but but that was a dive, and I mean, you know, it's not exactly yeah, a massive yeah. mistake anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Okay, Rob Smythe, you have um, the double dip. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm going to stop Paul Ince because I think he is. Well, there are a couple of other good defensive midfielders. I think he is the best by a mile. I think he's another one who's slightly underrated. I know we spoke about this before, possibly because maybe a bit like Platt, actually, he doesn't have one club support standing up for him because he kind of burned his bridges in Man United and so on. Um, I just thought the two major tournaments, United 6 France, I thought he was brilliant. I don't think it's a coincidence Spain ran them ragged when he was suspended. I thought in the Argentina game, which, as Rob says, is an epic, his battle with Ortega is so good. I can't, it's worth watching the whole game, or the first hour anyway, because at times Ortega's too good. You know, he, nut, he nutmegs everyone, but Ince is just so brilliant at winning balls back when you think, actually, that's a risky tackle. Could also drive with the ball well, scored the odd goal, made some at Euro 96. I thought he was fantastic. Um, and I think, um, interestingly, like at Liverpool, I'm not, I might be wrong about this. I don't think he was particularly good at Liverpool, but it felt like he still kind of had it had enough for England in France 98. By Euro 2000, his legs had gone completely and Keegan's tactics didn't help, but obviously that's a different decade. So I'll pick him. Um, and I'm going to pick one of two... Hmm. Now this is interesting, or is it interesting? Yeah, I'm torn between players who I really like and positions where there aren't that many good players. But I'm going to go for a player I really like, uh, Des Walker at centre back. So this is a tricky one because it takes in his decline, but it also includes Italian ninety when he was utterly magnificent, and Euro ninety two when he was kind of quietly magnificent. He played more games than I remember. I'm just going to check this, actually. Um, so he plays 46 games in the decade, which is actually more than Tony Adams, one more than Tony Adams, um, who is the other one other one I was tempted by. But I just think around that period, for, like I said before, for about four years, made it tonight too, I think he was as good as any centre-back in the world. Going to Italy kind of was the beginning of his decline. But, um, yeah, and I just love him as well. All the stories about him, like even just crap, they like used to sing in Gary Lineker's ear, you'll never beat Des Walker when they played against Utah. I love stuff like that. Um, yeah, so he'll do for me. Are the cricket ones that we've done, Rob, the only time you haven't picked Paul Ince in a draft? <laughs> <laughs> he could be he could a decent number six, I think. In a, yeah, no, I, did, I didn't get him. I don't think I got him in Euro 96, did I? In fact, no, no I didn't I get him in 92. I, you picked him in 92, 93, in fact, in the Premier League. Yeah. Well, yes. Someone, someone has to. Um, makes you think. But it? I do, um, I do think, I really do think he's historically underrated. Partly because yes. Man United fans have a weird relationship with him. And partly, of course, because he was ultimately replaced by Keane, who was just that bit better. But uh, we said it before, the first the year they win the Premier League for the first time, he's the fans player of the year and so on. I thought it's just a force of nature for a, the the rump of the 90s, really, 92 to 98, roughly. And another player an interesting who, who, one. He went he, for he a massive... an interesting ca- yeah, character. Mm. But I think you've, you've, you've probably nailed it there by the fact he was replaced by someone better at club level, slightly better. He also has an personality that's maybe not quite yeah, as in, in, endearing to fans how, and if you are going to well anyone who gives themselves a nickname is for the yeah. watching and if you're going to do that then you, you you need you need to show 
you really, really do need to show up sometimes. And I guess in international and football, it, as we've talked about before, in, in moments, he's talked about penalty shooters and stuff. But and, interestingly, you know, he had some really dark times in Europe with Man United, which I, I don't mm. know what why that is, really. Um, and ultimately, it was those games in Europe that led to Ferguson selling him. But anyway, yeah. sorry, Rob, you were going to say something. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, another player who got a big move to Italy, I mean... Over seven million pounds at the time in '95 was was massive, massive money for an English player to move to a club like that. And Roy Keane speaks so highly of playing alongside Paul yeah. Ince as well, and he often says now people don't realise how good he actually was because yeah. he he could actually do everything, yeah, everything true. and anything. And two left him, as well. Yeah, if you left him to sit back, he'd get four. I think for Inter, he got quite a lot of goals. Well, in the, I think just before he left, he got quite a lot of goals, and I think. When he came back to Liverpool, he scored a few, but I do think they started to use him a little bit differently. Um, yeah. And they were in a bit of a different transition period as well. And then Gerard starts emerging and they've got Owen. And this, yeah, that and that team loses McManaman. So I think his role, because obviously he came to Borough after that and he was he was a brilliant, brilliant captain for us. And he still has you know, a bit left in the tank for a mid-table team. But that time at United was pretty incredible. The other thing I'd forgotten about, just quickly, is that... And Mike Gibbons reminded me of this. There was a he didn't play much in the build up to United Six. Venables left him out for about twelve months. I think it was over some perceived slight. I think he pulled out a squad or something, and he was toying for a long time with a midfield of Redknapp and Gascoigne. Um, and then eventually he realised that he needed Ince, and obviously Ince had a very good tournament. But that in itself is interesting. Um, I suppose Ince is an example of a player who basically delivered in big tournaments. Probably didn't do a huge amount outside of them, but was terrific in. T- Two of England's three successful tournaments. Um, so yeah, that's why I would have him. Rob, did did Walker Star just explode too soon? Because the time this era comes to, I guess it's this kind of pinnacle. Euro ninety six. He's what twenty nine years old, twenty eight years old. He's playing at Sheffield Wednesday, and he's he's just not. He's just not in that that kind of. He's thirty. Anymore. Thirty by United six. But what happened? So. He went to Sampdoria and played left back, I think, and that was a struggle because obviously he was a, you know, he wasn't a ball playing centre back by any means. And then I'm, there was something, uh, so he had a crisis of confidence around. He made a mistake in Norway, I think. He got roasted by Overmars in qualification for a pe- really crucial penalty. Yeah. But it was also, and I forget the exact nature of this, but it, there was also an injury problem. And I think after he retired, he went on for a long time at club level at Sheffield. Yeah, Wales, yeah, yeah. Forest. But I think after he retired, he said that he was never quite the same. Maybe he lost a yard because his pace was everything, wasn't it? Um, so maybe there was that. So I think it was, as always, it's not one thing. It was injury, moving to Italy, being played left back. And then he never fully recovered. And of course, the timing as well, because after those mistakes, uh, Taylor, uh, yeah, Taylor's replaced by Venables, who didn't particularly fancy him and wanted people, wanted at least one centre-back who could play a bit more. So it all kind of comes together. But um, but I think he actually started reasonably late. I think he became a regular 23-24. So he still had kind of six years of being England's yeah. most consistent centre-back, uh, which takes him two tournaments. I mean, at Euro 92, they, they went out and they were crap, obviously, but it wasn't defence's fault. They only conceded two goals, one from a set piece. He was really good, as was Keown, actually, I think, from memory in that tournament. So, yeah. yeah, I didn't concede me. Okay. I he may have had one more cap than Tony Adams, but I'm still happy to yeah. have Tony Adams. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, at the heart of my uh, defence, this, of course, is 
not, um, including Euro 88, which is part of a different <laughs> draft, uh, where he had a, a difficult time. And I just or wonder, Euro 2000. Or was he indeed Euro 2000? But, I mean, he wasn't uh, bad, he was just exposed in Euro 2000. Oh, yeah, well, again, at that, that, that stage of a career, probably shouldn't be still kicking around, I don't know. Um, he, I think, uh, Jonathan O'Brien, I think, that, that waxed lyrical uh, about Tony mm. Adams in our Euro 96 draft, and I think that's fair. Again, I, I think he is underrated as a football, just because of other reasons. I think he had a very, very obvious difficult time uh, at Euro 88 uh, in an England team that we, we've talked about in, in, in previous shows, um, just not functioning. Um, the donkey thing started very quickly, and that that hangs around, doesn't it? That that uh, that kind of perception, and I think he's a far better footballer um, than that. And he, he, I think his reputation was enhanced. Anyway, I think we, we kind of got there, but uh, I, I think there's probably more to the the, the Tony Adams story that that gets celebrated. And again, it's this personality thing. You know, whenever he's interviewed now, I, I do tend to watch through my fingers a, a wee bit um, and I, I just wonder if that that, that sh- as it, I'm sure it does colours our, our thoughts or memories or an assessment of, of players of bygone years but um, he is in my team for sure yeah the giant and also I talked about him being a big tournament player Adams was kind of a big game player within a big tournament yeah. player yeah. probably his two best performances England potentially were Argentina in '98 and Germany in '96. Having lost both games on penalties, but that's not his fault. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I also quite like the the fact that after '96 he famously went on a I think it was a two week bender and then went sober. And after, yeah. but after '98 he um, assuaged his disappointment by treating himself to a McDonald's when the plane landed on his way home. So I quite like the yeah. evolution of his character in those two years. <laughs> I, I don't mean about through watching through fingers, but in some ways I find him quite inspirational. Just the fact that he's genuinely no filter. It must be a nice yeah. one to live. Um, yeah, but anyway, I got yeah, no. fantastic player, great player. Rob Fletcher, you have another double dunt. Right, seeing as we need to play wing backs, I'm going to take two wing backs straight off the board. Thanks very much. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take Gary Neville and Graham Lasso. So Lasso would have gone to Euro '96, but he broke his leg uh, playing for Blackburn. Obviously, Pierce came in and got his little redemption arc, which probably actually works better in the narrative of English football at the time. Lasso was obviously playing for Blackburn; he'd done well, reasonably well at Chelsea. I'm not sure whether he personally had the best time at Chelsea. I think, but I think Blackburn was much more enjoyable for him. Gary Neville obviously started as a centre back; was very young at Euro '96. I think he was our youngest sort of first teamer at that time. Often played sort of tucked in as a right centre-back at times when Venables kind of moved things around a little bit. But I know, I think he played there for Hoddle, didn't he, in France 98? Mm-hmm. I know that was, that's, <clears throat> this is where, you know, I could have quite easily not cheated a little bit, but picked two wingers to play in the wing-backs, which may well need mm-hmm. to happen now that I've taken <laughs> I think it might. Level. But um, I've gone a bit, I'm going to end up with three terrible centre-backs though now, aren't I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you can always move Gary Neville, don't forget. You That's true. That is true. I can, I Quite can a clever him idea. It gives you flexibility. Yeah. But they were great players. And I think Hoddle actually, probably, in hindsight, probably had the right makeup of what he wanted to do in terms of his system with his wing backs because Neville and Lasso 
at the time were, were really good performers at that point. So yeah, I'm quite happy with those two. Makes makes sense, he says, on paper. <laughs> I loved Graham Lasso. I thought he was a really clever. He felt quite modern, maybe I'd at the age I was, maybe he'd missed some of the uh, the, the kind of tactical shifts that that, that Robson had, had, had undergone at, um, at Italian ninety didn't probably appreciate that till I was a wee bit older. Um, but I, in terms of a full back or a wing back, I suppose um, being that f- that far up the pitch with Blackburn, and he really did kind of link so well. I did like that Blackburn team right enough. Um, he was, I thought, he was just intelligent. He was clearly intelligent. Generally, that's why he, he found himself. Why reads the Guardian? He, he, he could read up. He could read up a full paragraph without asking what that word means. Um, yeah, I, I, I did. Didn't he score an absolute Brazil, parameter yeah. of a goal against Brazil yeah. in the Umbro Cup at Wembley? Yes, yeah, he did. Um, great player, and yeah. Gary Neville straight in as well. I don't, I don't really have much, much else to say about that. That seems a, a fair shout to me, Rob. What were you, your thoughts on Lasso? We've done Gary Neville bits, but um, yeah, I agree. I think. At his peak, I think I think he might have been better than Pierce. But the only thing I would say is I think his best period was before he broke his leg at Euro '96. I I don't know that he had the greatest tournament in France. I mean, no, everyone slags him off for the Romania goal, but he's a bit unlucky because Petrescu pokes him in the eye by accident, and that's why he lets him score against Romania. And it's a weird, but if someone pokes you in the eye, like it's such an instinctive reaction. So. So I'd be loath to be too harsh on him for that goal. But no, I, I thought he was terrific as well. Um, I also like the fact that even though he's obviously quite smart and quite attacking, he also had real edge to him. He could be a yeah. nasty little bastard when he wanted. Um, and that was probably not a bad thing in the 1990s. It's a good footballer. But but I think it's I think it's telling that... And I don't want to criticise Pierce too much, especially as I might have to pick him in a minute. But it, I think it's telling that Venables immediately preferred Lasso because um, he just had a bit more class probably going forward. Uh, that, that, that's I think that's fair enough. And if if Lasol goes to Euro ninety six, um, I, I don't he takes think that he penalty. Have... Well, indeed. Speaking of that penalty, I am looking at the left wing backs, and I'm going to take him. Really wants to see him miss it, and he hasn't. Three out of three for England. Wow, he's fired up for that. What can I say, Rob? I'm a moments man. Uh, I'll, I'll take at least one, a, a couple of those players um, who have just, you know, poked eye or not, Lasso needs to do better um, for that that crucial. Great player for Blackburn. Brilliant player uh, for Blackburn. But and that that Romania thing, by the way, that 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 was, I think, a massive turning point in that World Cup for England. I think if they top that group, I think it's a totally different story. Just the the, the, the pathway that 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 opens up. Um, so that was a key moment and yeah listen we're all human surely we all have a redemption story um, and that that was battered home and he did the same against Germany as well and yeah I'll, I'll go for a bit of character on Stuart Pierce. and I know I know Lasso uh, was technically the better certainly in the 1990s but international football is about moments about tournaments about condensed into a few weeks and Stuart Pierce stood up Quick one on Pierce. Um, he's he's the only man who he played more minutes than anyone else. Didn't win more caps, but played more minutes. Mm-hmm. So only man to play five thousand. I've also just been having a look, and I've realised I've got the two dirtiest players from <laughs> in the nineties in my midfield in Ince and Gascon, or two of the three rather. Mm-hmm. It's fourteen yellows and one red. No one else got more than seven yellows. But anyway, 
Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if Angels myself uh, with Adams, Pearson, Shearer, right enough. Um, Rob, you get two now. Right. Yes. So, um, my right wing back will be Darren Anderton because he played there very well at times, particularly for Hoddle. Uh, I think he's a he's another interesting one because I couldn't tell you a thing he did between tournaments apart from maybe that rasper against Sweden when they drew three all in the Ember Cup. Um, mm. But I thought he was really good at both tournaments. Um, yeah, probably bet on the, yeah, bet on the ball and people realise like incredible energy, really good crosser. I always think it sums him up that do you remember Campbell's goal that was disallowed against Argentina and Argentina break four on two and it's Anderton who took the corner on the far side who makes an amazing tackle in his own area. Mm. Now, by then the flag had gone up for offside, but Anderton didn't know that. Um, and I think that just sums up his energy really um and again the fact that two kind of reasonably sophisticated coach i mean venables adored him didn't he alex ferguson tried to sign him albeit not as a wing back um so yes i think he will do and also because gary never was gone and the alternatives are not that persuasive i think one so, of the things with anderton was he was injured for such a long period of time between yeah. those tournaments you weren't actually yeah. seeing him at club no. level either but then as soon as he put on that shirt for england it was that was the sort of peak because he was yeah. such a productive player when he came into the Premier League. Yes, like, he was. His assist numbers are absolutely crazy early on. Mm. And obviously, he could have been so much more, just obviously so unfortunate with, with his injuries that mm. never quite reached it again, did he, after 98, yeah. probably? I also think... And that's the thing, quite... he's... Sorry, go on. He's, he's, he's capped um, between what ninety four and ninety nine in this 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 draft. There's mm. quite a few players that have got that that kind of five years, six years of of uh, England experience, but only twenty seven appearances. That that sums up the the, the Dan Anderson yeah. story, I suppose. Just looking at others around around that kind of time. Um, you know, you mentioned Pierce before. Um, you just get sixty caps in those that kind of six year period. He... It's it's yeah. Two things on Anderson. He, I, I also think he was very mentally strong, both to deal with the injuries, but also he knew he wasn't a crowd favourite. You know, there were sexier players, McManaman, like Beckham. I mean, he's chosen ahead of Beckham at right wing back for France 98. And he knows that. And there's a pressure on there, but he still delivers. And I also had a blatant attempt to undermine who picks Beckham. I'm just going to point out that Anderson played 27 games and scored seven goals in the 90s. Beckham played 27 and scored one against Colombia. So there you go. Yeah, it's a good one though. <laughs> who who else are you going to go for, Rob? Oh yeah, uh, right. Pierce is gone, so I can leave that position. Right, I am going to have. Uh, hang on. So that you, yeah. is it out of order to pick someone purely so you can't? <laughs> have, I, have I descended into this? This already? is the name of the game, Rob. I mean, you. you we're, we're, this is why England fail. You're just not. No, I tell you. What, Clever I tell you enough, what, because, enough. because if he goes, I'm in all sorts. So I'm going to pick Michael Owen. Now, I know it was a short impact, but we all know how astonishing it was, how glorious it was. Um, didn't amount to much in statistical terms, but he was one of the stars for France 98. The only good thing about it, as Diego Maradona said, um, so I'm going to have him. Now, obviously, I wouldn't pick him above Sheeran Lineker because of their prolonged impact, but I think he didn't score as many goals as some other players, but then he only came on the scene in 98. Um, I think he scored for like five goals. The next best is nine, apart from the big three, Shira Lineker Platt. But yeah, it's just about impact and memory and 
big stage presence and all that stuff. And what was it he called some people the other day? Scumbags for uh, having a go at everybody's VAR thing. So anyone yeah. who points out the only scored five goals, I can officially say is a scumbag because the Argentina goal was worth about 10. It's got back well. Now can Beckham set England moving? This is Owen. Taken in his stride. Shamot trying not to bring him down. It's still Michael Owen. He scored a wonderful goal. Is there nothing beyond this 18-year-old? Everyone off the bench. And what a moment for the teenager. And for England. From one down to 2-1 up. And still we've played barely quarter of an hour. He just makes us out of nothing. I mean, he goes past Shamok, goes past Ayala, false goal saying, leave it to me. And he said, no, you're not. I'm going to put it in the back of the net. Fantastic goal. I've, I've put that down as the goal of the tournament so far. Made from nothing. Past two defenders and a superb finish. He is 18 years and 198 days old. Just think what it'll be like when he grows up. And that's a sad thing because in football terms, he never did grow up today. Yeah, and that, that line, it, it, just talking about England in the nineties, Rob, both Robs, just think what it would be like when they grow up. That this period, this breakthrough, I guess, or, or changing the English game um, with this new league and this very modern way of, of of looking at the game and and everything else that that would bring, the riches and um, strength, and it was expected, of course. I mean, how how. 2002, perhaps, at the end of that World Cup, we have a golden generation here. It won't be long. This will be This will be around the corner. In the 90s, that, those, those kind of breakout tournaments of 96, 98, seen as almost a kind of John the Baptist of, of English football. The, 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 the future was coming, and it didn't. And maybe, again, I think 98 especially, in terms of balance, in terms of strength and depth, I'm not sure England may have had three or four better players than the three or four best players in, in that squad. But in terms of chances, I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that they, they were as great as fans they take, to be honest. The only, I agree. I know what you mean. The only thing I would say is the, the competition, it feels like the competition was stronger as well. Like, if you were able to yeah. dump England's France 98 squad to USA 94, I'd give them a hell of a chance. But in France 98, yeah. you've got a better Netherlands team, a better France team, and so on and so on. There were four or five, like, really strong teams. Argentina were terrific. But I know what you mean. I do think Hoddle was yeah, he was probably too young really. Uh, man management, I mean, yeah, there were we know all the stories about it. Um and you're right, going into the other half, that murderous half of the draw was not the brightest idea. Or having said that, they still have had Croatia last sixteen, have they, who were a good side, but I still think I know we uh, yeah, it was a it was a lovely mix of the two kind of generations of the nineties, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. And there was a lot of players on the up in that France 98 squad. You've got mm. Beckham, Scholes, Owen, yeah. Neville, Sol Campbell, but you've still mm. got Seaman. You know, it, they had a good chance and they were good against Argentina uh, yeah, with 11 and with 10. They, they really mm. held their own. I mean, the free kick was a fantastic goal. Just, mm. you know, that's just a great moment. And Owen's goal, obviously. But Football is all about moments, isn't it? And even just those video clips, it takes you into that euphoria of we're going to win it. And you, you have that feeling. And imagine what that must be like for a player after 15 minutes of game thinking, we can't lose if Michael Owen is doing this at 18. One, it, one of, yeah. It your mindset while you're on the pitch actually my, trying to get through. 
One of my favourite bits about that goal is when they cut to the bench and Paul Merson's just laughing his head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot comprehend that Owen yeah, is yeah. that good. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, right, it's me. And it's suddenly kind of dawned on to me that, that England's midfield in the 1990s is, is not blessed. Certainly in the centre of the picture. It's part from the obvious because Rob's taken them all. Um, there are some ball players that I'm sure will still be around. I can still use. That's absolutely fine. Um, but no one's doing donkey work, and you know my teams. I need. I'll need someone to to, to do some of that. Um, I've got some that's a wee bit underrated, but played an awful lot. Um, and that's David Batty. Um, Ince would have absolutely been my pick for that 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 role, but. Um, I don't think David Batty is a dreadful replacement at all. So um, I'll fill some ball players around him and keep him off penalties, um, of course. But then uh, the old governor, um, he stepped up when he when he eventually did step up because he was nowhere to be fucking seen at Wembley in uh, that, that semi-final. Um, uh, so yeah, penalties maybe probably not the not the the, the greatest subject of, of of this pod. But yeah, I think Batty was fine. And what I, I did like about what I do love about David Batty, actually, um, he was asked about how devastated he was at you know being, being involved with that 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 big penalty miss. Oh, he couldn't South give a shit. No, done. He's so he's long. brilliant. He's the perfect person to miss a penalty because he clearly had yeah. his life in absolutely kind of ideal yeah. perspective. This is part of the job. It will sometimes go well. I will win a Premier League title, and sometimes I'll miss the penalty that, that knocks England the World Cup. It is a job. I'm going back to my family. I'm going back to where I live, and that's that's far more important. And ah, oh, a breath of fresh air from the you know the life-ending drama that um, that that kind of circles and surrounds um, a misstep. So, yep, David Batty for me. I will try and fill, as I said, um, some silk around that steel, Mister Fletcher. Two to go. Okay, right. I'm going to go for another goal scorer midfielder who kind of made his debut quite late, 97, but was a big part of the France 98 side. Very, very important in the playoff for Euro 2000 in 1999. Oh, God, that was 99, yeah. Yeah, that. I'm going to yeah, add yeah. Paul Scholes into the mix in my midfield. You've got sort of the, um, was he Platt's heir apparent, maybe? He's kind of a it, it similar sort role, of player, yeah. wasn't he? They sort of, yeah, because it, it, no, he absolutely was. Yeah, I think Hoddle played him as a number ten, pretty much. But yeah, then Keegan yeah. went back to four four two, which was actually four one five. So yeah. he just kind of let him run forward. He's got that hat against Poland, didn't he? Keegan's first yeah. game. And yeah, he's got again. I mean, I've gone for goals going forward. So scores actually for what he did. You think he scored nine goals in the twenty caps that he had? Um, in that time, not many minutes at all. Interestingly, I, I was looking, and he actually played slightly less minutes, slightly fewer minutes than Ian Wright. But that's interesting. Pretty good goal scorer with that. Right now, I definitely need to get a centre back at some point. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for Gareth Southgate actually, um, in central defence because I thought he was excellent at Euro '96. In this sort of team, if considering I've got Scholes and Platt in midfield, he could move further forward if needed. I think Venables used him a little bit, didn't he? Where he'd, yeah. he'd play in that sort of num- not a number six, yeah. but more like a number four, an old fashioned number four yeah. sort of defensive mm. midfielder in front of Adams, and he'd just drop in and move out a little against, bit against Scotland, I think, in the first half, and then they moved yeah. back and took Pierce off. Yeah, 
But I think probably an underrated player, and you know, he came to us, he came to Millsborough in the two early two thousands at like thirty. But the difference he made to the whole club was enormous, and I think mm-hmm. obviously he's done the same in the managerial job now. But I think he'd just be a brilliant player to have on your team. I think you don't find many people saying he wasn't a great teammate. Maybe Roy Keane doesn't like him, but you know, Roy Keane doesn't like many people, does he? And Keane liked him, I think. I know they had a row about the nanny thing, but I think they got on well eventually. Yeah, there was, there's a nice podcast. I think it's called The Match, where they talk to one person about a specific game. And Dean Ashton was talking about his first game or one of his first at the top level. And it was against Southgate. And he said, basically, he couldn't believe how smart Southgate was. And also, almost in a nice way, the kind of how contemptuously Southgate played him. He would just mm. he basically schooled him without... You know, he wasn't sledging or anything. It's just everything yeah. he's always in front. He's always reading it. And Ashton said, that's when I realised how big the step up was. Mm. Um, obviously, that's mid-2000s. That's when he's past his peak, probably. No, he's a brilliant player. And he would have been... He was the first choice at 98. It's only because he got injured, wasn't it? Yeah. And he eventually slipped out of the team. And obviously, first choice in 96. There was so much um, hype. Oh, hype. That's maybe the wrong word. Just a, a lot of interest, a lot of hope around Southgate at the start of Euro 96, I remember. He, he did a lot of the press. He did a lot of the media uh, as being someone who was getting new to that team and, and part of this New England, because that's what Euro 96 represented, right? Um, a, a, a new era. We forget that, um, you know, Norway and getting beaten, the, the USA um, and, and that friendly tournament and, and all of that. Uh, and here was, here was something new. Here's a fresh page. And, um, well... Of course, we know what happened, but he, again, quite a level-headed um, chap, and he seems to be doing all right for himself um, since. So, yeah. So it's, it's a, what was he like as a borough manager, Rob? <laughs> I know you're um, not relegated, obviously, but you had some good times. Right? You used to always fucking beat Man United around then. Yeah, yeah, we had a great period with McLaren and Southgate against United. We often played well against, like, the Chelsea. Arsenal always mm. had our number. They'd be... Banging all kinds past us, seven nil or whatever. I, I would probably say he's as lim- he was as limited then as he probably is now. Mm. But um, he's, he's just got a now. much much better squad. So obviously we'd come off McLaren, who had Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, Mark Viduka, guys came in, Dieta, Bolo Zenden. He had a really good, experienced side, and then we ended up, you know, Mido. I think was like the big sign, well, literally the big <laughs> signing that we had for, for about. <laughs> Six or seven million. Afonso Alves, he spent 12 million on. So 20 million pounds on strikers who'd never really done it in the Premier League, never really did it. The only tactical thing that he ever did was he switched the right winger and the left winger after about half an hour for about 10 minutes, then did it again after about 60 minutes, and then changed them again after about 70. So that was about. That was about the limit of his tactical awareness, but a good man, a good man, someone who you're yeah, quite happy absolutely. to lead your club. But after going from a European final and being linked with Otmar Hitzfeld and Martin O'Neill to then get, you know, Gareth Southgate was a little bit of a and Villa. Villa, I think, got top four. I think in about yeah. three or four years in a row because O'Neill went there instead of us, and we were kind of level pegging. And you know, but yeah. One He'd make him Prime Minister tomorrow, but um, his, his oh, ability yeah. to, to change yeah. a game is, is maybe uh, uh, in doubt. So, Gary Neville, Gary Southgate, Graham Lassoul, Paul Scholes, David Platt, Gary Lineker for Rob Fletcher, uh, Stephen Adams, Pierce Batty and Shearer. And since I've got Shearer, and since no one else has picked him, you might as well have two strikers who get on very well. Shearer, into the path of Darren Anderton. Oh, and a deflection, and a super save, and Sheringham, it's four! now 
it's a great shot. It gets a slight deflection. The keeper does ever so well. But she- the, 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 the normally unflappable Brian Moore, when he says it's four, is so indicative of what in earth is happening here. This is we're in a parallel universe. Uh, it's um, the Twilight Zone, and you, you you threw a lot of shade on my cheering on pick in the Euro '96 draft, Rob. I just I think he's so clever. I think he's such an intelligent player. The kind of players that I don't think England did produce enough of then. Maybe arguably still don't. Um, and great foil I, for a proper number nine. I really like him as a footballer. Always did. I just wasn't sure he had a, the greatest year in 96 apart from the Netherlands game. But it's telling that um, there's a nice quote. I think it was from Gary Neville who said that Paul Scholes used to just always go on about how much he liked playing with Sheringham. Mm. And when you think how classy and intelligent and intuitive a player Scholes is, that's a huge compliment. Um, I know I love him as a player. And he's the one I was thinking of picking just to scupper you because obviously they're <laughs> such a um, famous partnership. And England's best of the 90s, I mean, Liquid Beards were really good, but they hardly played together in the 90s, I don't think. Post, no. Maybe Taylor, because Taylor didn't really fancy him, did he? Then you get Owen, whose best partner came in the 2000s. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, no argument at all. 22 caps for Peter Beardsley, my word. In the uh, 90s? Yeah, he played a lot. I bet a fair few of those would be under Venables, though, because remember, he was part of the team, and yep. then he got left yep. out the last minute um, because of the, log, the whole log jam. Yeah. Well, that log jam really was something else. Uh, okay, so mine is looking very, very Euro 96-ish, I have to say. Uh, Rob Smythe, two to go. Let's pick up the pace. Right, I will... Mm, okay, okay, let's pick up the pace while I dither for a bit. Um, okay, I'm going to take a left wing... No, hang on, hang on, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um... Okay, sweeper will be Mark Wright, based largely on Italian 90 and his relationship with Des Walker. Might be Mark, it might be sweeper, depends, because he did both at that tournament. Um, and what am I looking for here now? Um, okay, and I'm going to take Sol Campbell as well. Uh, because although his best years were um, in the 2000s, he still had some really good moments, mm. particularly France 98, those barnstorming runs, um, and defended very well and was clearly kind of the emerging next centre-back. So, yeah, I'll take those. Right, a sort of sweeper or spare man, at least. Uh, Walker to the left. Campbell, I know he played left, but he's right-footed, so he could easily play right. So, mm. yeah. Ah, right. That's um, that's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's very annoying. Yet again, that was that's the one the one drawback of going at three. Of all of us going three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an absolute paucity <laughs> of uh, um, centre back. So I'll I'll have to go for one. Um, and again, in the spirit of of, of underrated. Um, players will go for Gary Palliser. Only twenty caps. Probably should have been a lot more. Um, but I will depend on him along with Tony Adams. I think that's fairly um, solid. But oh my word. Quickly on those two, there was a perception they were too similar to play together, but it was complete nonsense because Adams was essentially Steve Bruce. The only sense in which they were too similar was they both preferred playing left-sided centre-half. Palliser was tall, but he was smooth, quick, read the game beautifully. Um, I'm... 
I, I want to go back and do something on this, like a long read, which will entertain me if no one else on tracing his England career and why it never happened. Because he was, mm. for the first half of the 90s, he was the best centre-back in English football by a distance. He would win player of the year um, and was like one of the key players in that Man United team that emerged. But anyway. I think he didn't play enough like an English centre-back to get in the England team. <laughs> you might be right. And then it, by the time it, Venables took over, he was kind of getting on and his sciatica was playing up. And... Yeah, yeah. And I think he almost had that. Because obviously I remember at Middlesbrough and then signing for United, he was very, very different to anything out there and obviously commanded such a huge fee at the time because he could play on the ball. Yeah. Even his body language. And even little things like he never got booked, did he? Because he was, so, which should be a good thing. But yeah. maybe at the time, you're right. You wanted set of halves who were, you know, clenched fist and everything. I, don't, mm. I think there's probably something in that. He also he got, a couple, he, he got a couple of untimely injuries around tournaments yeah. as well. But, Such like, a great I player. I absolutely love Gary Pallister. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, the other options are not. Overly uh, impressive. I'm really annoyed that you got so Campbell. That that, that busting run was against Columbia. It's Columbia. No, it, there was at least one. Yeah, and he nearly had his he nearly had his moment against Argentina as well. But the one against Columbia was this. Oh my, <laughs> what? What is this? What is this chap doing? Um, yeah, now great player. Obviously, stronger player in the 2000s probably. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, super no, yeah. World class uh, in two thousands, he was kind of potentially world class in the Absolutely, absolutely. Mr. Fletcher, then two. Oh right, okay. Uh, right, I need some defenders, don't I? Because all of the ones I wanted to pick have now gone. So I'm going to go for Terry Butcher. <clears throat> Obviously, just Italian ninety, basically. But I think for me, that's good enough. Great in the tournament. Obviously, played in the back three at that point as well. Brilliant leader. Obviously, do pretty well against Southgate, I reckon. And now I'm just going to completely ignore the fact I'm probably going to end up with a terrible third defender, but I don't really care. So I'm going to go for a forward because the big four, I suppose, have been taken. So I'm just going to go for on goals. Do you want to go on goals or do you want to go on compliment? No, nah, do you know I'm just going to go on goals. Ian Wright. Get him in there. I think Ian Wright... And I, I listened to um, his show with Gary Neville recently, and he was talking about his England career. They're all sort of sharing their memories about international football and why it sort of never worked for him. And I think he just never quite found the right moment with the right manager to compliment mm. Shearer, basically. Um, I think there was a lot of talk in the press that he couldn't do it at international level, that it, the Arsenal side were very much kind of played to his strengths and he was made for that team. Could he have played more than he did? Yeah. Would he have scored more goals than he did? Yeah. But if you look at it, if you're building the team around Shearer, which they clearly decided to after sort of when he came back from his injury in 93, I think he was probably a little bit unlucky. But he's always going to have that game in Italy, getting into France 98. And that was a huge performance from him. I know it was nil-nil, but people didn't think he could do it. And he he, he played absolutely brilliant. And he, he got... For the minutes and time that he was on the pitch, he still scored nine goals for England. Now, I think that's a pretty good return for for, for where he was at. For, to be forward and win one game against San Marino. But, but no, do you know, he made a really good point on about his England career, which I'd never thought of. Um, well, two things. He thinks Venables left him out originally because he didn't wear a suit to, to, to the game. But he makes the mm. point that a year 96, he would have been a perfect sub. And mm-hmm. I totally get that. Yeah, like who yeah. who would you want, particularly with the whole glory of the golden goal, 
the, yeah. that kind of energy, that improvisation. Like if you're a tired defender, a tight, you don't want that bugger coming on, do you? After ninety minutes. Now Venables didn't use subs very often, but actually I think Wright is a much better sub in that context than Fernando Fowler. Um, so. And you could just see, like, if anyone's going to grab, like he did in the FA Cup final in 1990, but he came on a sub albeit because of injury, immediately scores a brilliant equaliser. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think there's something in that. He compared himself to Oliver Behoff, didn't he? He said he felt like that that yeah. was the role he could have played and for that. England that Behoff did for Germany. I get that completely. I suppose the only downside of it is that he was at quite a low ebb at the time because he'd fallen up with Bruce Riach and was trying to leave after. Yeah. But, but can you imagine him, like, the Spain game, like 90,000 or the Germany game comes on after a hundred minutes. You could yeah. just, you could easily see him roofing one of those volleys from 20 yards or something yeah. when the game, cause those games, Spain game really drifted, didn't it? In extra time, everyone was knackered. Germany game yeah. was different. Um, but yeah, so I, I totally see that. And also didn't amount to much, but his equalizer in Poland at the time felt so important. Mm, big, yeah. Qualification for 94. I think he um, mentioned as well that if he was if he was Gaza at that point where Gaza misses a, a you know the, the tap in by a mm. stud he might have you know yeah. been there and yeah, but you never know. know you never know yeah and just he was actually heartbroken wasn't he to miss out on yeah France. he was yeah, yeah he was yeah, an absolute genius of a goal scorer like you yeah, watch the video as well so the chi- the imagination he had is incredible yeah. um, particularly in those chips and lobs anyway. Okay, yeah, Butcher, I mean, obviously, uh, a man close to my heart. Uh, Italian 90, he felt he was done. He felt that was that was him now. Uh, he struggled. Um, maybe didn't look a struggle at times, and maybe the three, or the move to three, maybe maybe helped him. Uh, yeah. But he, he knew, he knew he, his, his time at top was over, and so did Sunnis, and he was, he was punted fairly quickly after... Um, coming back after that tournament uh but uh still a totemic figure and you know you you need that that influence in the dressing room don't you uh rob uh okay uh so gary neville teddy butcher gareth southgate and lasol paul Scholes, david platt lineker and Wright. um okay and we need to right wing back and center back i can leave because they are full elsewhere unless someone's going to play funny and start using players I've thought of in, in, in weird positions uh, so it means I need to kind of look at my midfield and I go for someone who, uh, I always like to put these in the draft uh, a player who is uh, maybe a bit of a nearly man there's maybe a bit of a story there it, it could have been um, still get 17 caps for England during this time I'm going to go for Jamie Redknapp in the, the midfield Venables loved him and again yeah. through no choice, really. It was it was injury that um, that, that that scuppered um, furthering at, at Euro '96. Injury that that ruled them out um, just before France '98. And again, Horrell said that the boy's a diamond, um, but uh, he, he knows he's not fit, which may have been a pointed reference to someone who would have to be told that he was <laughs> um, going uh, maybe a couple of days later. Uh, but but yeah, Jamie Redknapp, um, classy. Great for a long range n- number. I'm sure he, you know, hit one in off the bar. I think for England at some point, and maybe maybe a friendly can't Possibly, remember. Yeah. Just but, think um, of that ca- that cameo against Scotland. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah, gets the whole game changer, wasn't it? Really comes on. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. And so, sadly, he got injured at the end of that because he would probably have played the semi. I reckon ahead of Platt. Yeah. One quick thing, like Venables, you're right, loved him. He bet with a journalist. I think it was Joe Lovejoy. It used to be the Sunday Times. He had a bet that 
I think this is during year 96 that Redknapp will win more caps than Beckham. And it's easy, Venables was on Redknapp's side. It's easy to sneer now, but it just shows how highly regarded he was at the time. And not just by Venables. But yeah, you're right. It was kind of a litany of misfortune, really. Club and country. Um, yeah. So my Euro 96 tribute um, with guest star Gary Pallister is a Siemens Adams Pallister Pierce Batty Redknapp his Shearer and Shearing. Oh, Batty wasn't at Euro 96, was he? No. Um, was he was injured. Um, oh, Okay then, Mr. Smythe, you have a goalkeeper and a left wing back, a midfielder, and another forward, and you have two goals in which to fill them. So the poverty of midfield options is such that I'm going to take a bit of a liberty and pick someone based on one game, and that is Chris, Chris Waddle in the Italian 90 semi-final when he played centre mid and played sensationally well. Now, he could play that role. He played it a couple of times, I think, in the tournament, but I just remember the semi-final. Uh, he just, yeah, obviously hits the bar. Beautiful passer, particularly later in his career. Even in Italian, like you said, he wanders over and he wins a penalty and like no one appeals apart from him. And I kept watching back thinking, am I missing something? That's a clear penalty. I think it's Algatala. Um, so obviously he didn't really play much under Taylor for a variety of reasons, but he became an increasingly key figure at Italian 90. And it's sad that obviously he's remembered for bloody endangering air traffic control because he played so well in that game and it becomes such a more polished football than the one we used to see just had that one trick um yeah so yeah and also i like the balance because gascoigne veers to the left one or to the right Ince can do all the donkey work and it's gonna make my team very attacking but i think Ince is good enough with the three center backs I mean, look, left wing back is either andy hinchcliffe who is a good player but i mean can you name one moment in his in the career I can't. Or I'm going to go for Steve McManaman again, based on li- literally one or two games in Euro 86. Now, I know this is a bit of a liberty, but look at the alternatives. And he did play it, and he did play it well in a back three with Ince. So Scotland's second half, I think Germany, they play a back three, don't they? And they go to Spain as well. And I quite like having essentially the Euro 96 midfield, really, with at Chris Waddle on top. Um I mean, on the see, there's part of me saying this is bullshit that the team would never thrive. But if you essentially that is the Euro '96 team because Mark Wright is Tony Adams, Sol Campbell is Southgate, Walker is I've lost my bearings now. Neville, Pierce, yeah, Pierce or whoever in the games where they played a back three. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they had a better keeper, but and they were at home, so maybe I haven't fallen through that much. But um, but yeah, I'll go with McManaman. It was him or Hinchcliffe. I mean, it's not ideal, but uh, unless I'm missing any other left backs, am I? Phil Neville, no. but he was mainly a right back, I think, in the nineties for England, and he yeah. didn't play a lot. So, yeah. And you don't like McManaman as well. You've, you've really, you've really gone for it here. So yeah, well, and McManaman, wing backs, Walker, right, Campbell, Ince, Gascoigne, Waddle, and Michael Owen. I like him uh, when he needs muff. And also very... moments in time, like Euro '96. I mean, at Liverpool, he was a fantastic player. Ferguson was terrified of him. He used to ch- Ferguson tried more different tactics against Liverpool than any other team in the 90s, including European teams, purely to deal with McManaman. I mean, he tried like one game he had Jordi Cruyff at left back and it's really elaborate system. Um so yeah. Obviously McManaman was a number 10 then not a fucking left wing back, but even so. Okay. Yeah my, my, the midfield is still causing me a bit of consent. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Uh, yeah, 21 am caps. Say, 
Am I allowed to say someone really obvious hasn't been picked? Who can play There's someone games? very obvious hasn't been picked, but I just don't think he fits into these systems. But I, I we we have our wild card at the end, of course. We can we can have a wee look at that if, if no one's picked them, Rob. I suppose. Um, yeah, okay, Carl, I'll go for Carlton Palmer. You're thinking, Rob? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, thanks. Um, from me, I'll go. I'll, I'll let I'll let uh, Fletcher take that. Um, I'll go Paul Merson uh, again. Oh, maybe could have got more caps than he 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 did get. So I don't know if that's maybe in the red nap territory. Um, but I'm I'm just looking at the options there. I would I would have to convert the way you've done because he he did it for one game. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not well, sure John Merson. Barnes would really. No, I think John Barnes obviously the, the other kind of obvious. Barnes would have played there. more, I think. I think Barnes played more in centre mid than Merson in the nineties. I think I'm not certain. Just thinking, Merson went. Came against Argentina, it was left wing. Netherlands away in that big qualifier. I'm pretty sure he was left wing. I mean, it doesn't matter, but because he could play centre forward and eventually could play centre mid as well, which he kind of grew into. I don't know. I don't know a huge amount about his England career. They'd be on those two big yeah. games. Well, I'll take him. You know, I'll, I'll do that. So now that you've given me license to, to oh, um, yeah, I mean, so he if you've converted yeah. Waddle, and I mean, I've gone to all the trouble to prepare this, so he's he's getting picked. Less than oh, a minute on the clock, and two real specialists out there, and Paul Gascoigne and John Barnes. Paul Gascoigne sets his sights. Still pretty much a rookie in the Dutch goal. It's his fourth cap tonight. Barnes. Yeah, there's such euphoria about that open. That's very early in the, yeah. the, the Wembley qualifier but against the Netherlands. Seconds, yeah. You kind of like, well, look, you know, you're ninety two. You have these things. You know, Taylor's just in, getting into it. Gascoigne was injured. That's in the past. Um, there must have been. Were you there, Rob? Or did I dream that that you were? You were no, I was. At the, the, the game I went to was the Norway one when they battered them one yeah. one. Wrecked us good later ah. on. But for a while they looked good though because they had that midfield. It was almost like a diamond mm. of. A ball winner, which I think was Palmer or Ince, then you uh, Platt, Barnes, Gascoigne, um, and it worked pretty well. But then it just all went to shit. The, the mm. second half against Netherlands, obviously they give away a two 0 lead, but then it's that trip, isn't it, where they lose Poland and Norway, and they get one point away in about a space of four days, and it's just they never recover from that. And yet, even then, you know, if they get a reasonable refereeing decision in the Netherlands, they probably qualify. So. It was a tough group because Norway were miles better than anyone realised. The Netherlands were still really a very good side. A couple of things on Barnes. Like, obviously, we all know about his England career, but he was unlucky at times. Like, he scores a lovely volley against Belgium at Italia 90 that's wrongly disallowed. And you think, if that goes in, what does that do for his confidence? He also scored a brilliant goal against Uruguay just for Italia 90. They tried him up front a bit around then. It's like a part chest down and half volley from the edge of the area into the top corner. Um so, yeah, and from memory, he played okay. There's also, there's a lovely moment in that, I think it's in the documentary, where Taylor is kind of years ahead of his time here when people are bollocking Barnes and shouting and booing. And he basically turns around and says, look, 
don't forget he's a human being like you. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. Feels so far ahead of its time, you know. That's something a lot of people would say now. But if you're saying that 30 years ago, most people are like, all right, granddad, and so on. But it's quite a sweet moment, <laughs> really. All right, Stephen Adams, Palser, Pierce, Batty, Redknapp, Barnes, and the SES up front. Uh, and I need a right wing back and centre back still to go. Um, but they are open to me because you've all closed that door. Um, Fletcher. I feel like Inspector Mackay here in Porridge. <laughs> Fletcher. Right. Keeper, um... centre back, and midfielder. All right, I'm not really bothered about a keeper, so I'm going to go for Martin Keown mm, as my guy. third central defender. Played a decent amount of minutes, um, 27 caps in the 90s. Probably forgotten a bit, a little bit that he was actually a pretty good player. He didn't just shout in opposition players' faces and bounce around the pitch. He was a really good defender. Good in Euro 92, I think, as you'd said before, Rob. And the other player I'm going to put in midfield in the interest of repurposing players into positions they maybe never played in, um, I'm going to put David Beckham as the third man in my midfield three. Well, he played well there at Prado J until, obviously, the most. It's his pass for Owen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's an attacking so, three, albeit you've got three centre-backs. So. Yeah. So proper, proper full-backs, like me. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, and I think you could probably wangle it so that he played out on the right with Neville like he would for United and kind of do something around that. Maybe Lasso left back and then Keon as the right back maybe behind them. Clutching the also, yeah, but... the way the Bruyne kind of goes wide, couldn't you? Can, could, couldn't you? you could have like, because Neville and Beckham combined. So the yeah. other thing about Beckham though, he could put killer crosses from narrow positions. Yeah, That's why he yeah. could centre mid as well. There's one to, um, I think it's Ronaldo at Real Madrid. It's a, a ridiculous cross and he's not Properly wide, so narrow. So yeah, I mean, he, he falls. I always remember we. I remember we don't remember so at university while half pissed talking to a mate who was a Liverpool fan saying Beckham's the best crosser I've ever seen, and this was in the build up to France '98. I'm not the best crosser I've ever seen, best crosser in England. I wasn't, mm. and he was just laughing, going, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Um, and at the time, people didn't really think from that way, and it only subsequently emerged that we kind of realised how good he could just do anything. Um, yeah, I think with a, with a, the, the, the manipulation of a ball is incredible. Probably the technical element of that in the early stage of his career were probably underestimated a little bit in the mm-hmm. fact that a lot of the press was kind of, how is he scoring all of these goals from long range? How is he getting the ball in the box? Like, well, that's his, that's his mm-hmm. skill. That That's the elite thing. I always think if you want to get to the elite level, you've got to have at least one thing that you are absolutely elite at. And yeah. I think sometimes the, the criticism of Beckham is louder than the praise for how elite that skill that he had. Yeah, exactly. And also, of all these players, could you claim that any other one is the best of all time? It's one thing. I'm not yeah. saying Beckham is, but I think it's absolutely a legitimate argument. You could also say De Bruyne or Alexander Arnold, whatever. Mm. But I'd ne- at that time, I had never seen someone with his range or ability. The other thing, he could play centre mid. There's no doubt. He just didn't get the opportunity. Um, mm. Like even talking about Man United Arsenal, 96-7, so Wenger's first season, he plays centre mid in both games against Vieira and plays really well. Uh, he could do it. He just it was just simply that mainly for United he didn't get the opportunity and his crossing was too good to lose. But I think in a three five two, had he played it more, you would get that way. He would drift into positions where he could still use that um, that ability and take advantage of a kind of up and down running as well. 
He did it in the Champions League final as well, didn't he? Ninety nine. Yeah, he was the best. He was their best player apart from Yap Stam, maybe. Yeah, Certainly yeah. the best attacking player. Yeah, he was the only one who kind of got on the ball, and and that was more about just kind of orthodox playmaking. But he did it really well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Keown one is annoying. I forgot you didn't have a centre back there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's nearly done then. Uh, You've Rob. got a dilemma now. Idea of a, a crowd pleasing name who played about two games, or yeah, that's a few more. <laughs> well, you know me, we'll find out a lot about your character in the next. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for the right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll go for the right wing back at the moment. Now, I am torn here. Um, one was a better player, played longer, but I'm pretty sure only ever played right full back, and one did play right wing back and changed. The kind of tournament Italian 90 because it was Gary Stevens oh, that got yes. dropped for Paul Parker. Paul Parker was seen as a bit more of an engine, which is kind of wild as Gary Stevens was one of the mm. fittest players around at the time. Um, and there's Lee Dixon, who was just a very solid, dependable right sided defender. Um, I'm going to stretch the right sided defender um, uh, up and I'm, um, I'll, I'll go with. Dixon, but but Parker just didn't. He had his moment, of course. But I don't think he he kicked on much after that. So I'll I'll go for Lee Dixon at, at right wing back. And Rob, you can now complete your team at either end of the field, goalkeeper and forward. Yeah, so I'm gonna pick. This is tricky, actually. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Chris Woods and go because. I feel, a bit, I feel a bit guilty about picking Chilton simply because there were only about 10 games. Now, one of those games, he was fantastic. Cameroon kind of saved England single-handedly. But he, there were also were vulnerabilities. Woods was England's number one for the next three years or so. I might be misremembering, but I can't remember a significant mistake for England. There was obviously one in Chris Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup final, but that's irrelevant. Again, Euro Night 2, which will be his only major tournament that he played every yeah. game. Conceded two goals... In three games, neither of which could do anything about. So I'm going to pick him. Up front, so the options are Ferdinand, Steve Bull, who I really liked at the time, Robbie Fowler, Alan Smith, blah, blah, blah. But in the spirit of partnerships, I'm going to pick someone who played four games in the 90s, no goals, (laughs) Errol Heskey. Now, the logic here is simply that Owen was quite a tough man to play with, a bit like Ian Wright, actually, um, whereas Sheer and Sherrigan, as you say, were perfect. Owen said his favourite partner by far was Heskey. Rooney said that as well. Now I know that. It's in the 2000s, but ultimately, I mean, you've got Ferdinand who scored five goals. Now, I I love Les Ferdinand, but really, he never got a regular run. Five. I remember one really important goal against Poland, not much else. Steve Bull, I was there when he scored two against Czechoslovakia. One of them was an absolute belter, but ultimately, uh, I quite like Owen's kind of, it's all about Owen, so basically, who's going to serve him? Um, Big Emil. No, makes... Makes sense. It is all about chemistry. All about but I must, well, so, it's, also, it's also all about four games, no goals in the decade we're talking about, but it's not a huge difference from the others. So. Yeah. Um, so Chris Woods, who would not let Diego Maradona punch the ball over his head, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, Anderton and McManaman as your wing-backs. Walker, Wright, Campbell. That's a lovely back three. Uh, Inns, Gasco and Waddle. And Owen and Heskey. Yep. Looking good, Rob. Um, so I need a little centre back. I could put Pierce into 
the left side of a three, but that would mean picking Phil Neville, which I, I just, I don't think I can do. Um, so yeah, I am going to go for the popular vote and just hope that Twitter doesn't really notice that Rio Ferdinand played about <laughs> twenty minutes. You bastard! I go for Rio. Um, who showed his class very early. We knew what he was going to go on to do. It was all there. Did he show up while sitting on the bench? <laughs> he was, yeah, he was, he was a very good tourist, Rob. I mean, he came in and kept the dressing room um, alive and he learnt a lot. And um, we, we knew we knew then what was what was going on. So, well, yeah. first, we did know how good he was going to be, everyone said. Yeah. It. It's not like he was... Um, and he was more like... I think Hoddle took him for that reason because Hoddle saw him as his medium-term... Yeah, yeah absolutely. But obviously Hoddle then balls it all up. Well, we've caused a lot of problems here by the three of us going for a three because there's there just aren't. Yeah, there's not so really played, enough to go around. We played eight games in the nineties, so it's not really that's not the. That's that'll do me. And um, so Seaman in goals, so I've got the best goal in pretty sure. Um, Dixon and Pierce as uh, wing backs, maybe not a lot of pace there. Uh, Rio Adams and Pallister, that's that's not bad at all. Um, Batty, Redknapp and Barnes, um, one of the most balanced midfields for me in, in quite a wee while, actually. And a fantastic partnership up front, of course, and cheering and cheering. And that is me done, unless there's someone that we've forgotten about. We can use that wild card at the end. Um, who's going to go in goals for you, Rob? Nigel Martin, Tim Flowers? <laughs> Tim Flowers is the one for me. Um, title winning goalkeeper. Martin Bring probably on. played... A bit more than <laughs> um, in the two thousands, he was a de- he was a decent goalkeeper. He went to Euro ninety six. He went to France ninety eight. So that's who I'm going to go for. Yeah, it's slim pickings, isn't it? Um, yeah. Tim Flowers, Gary Neville, and Graham Lassau are your uh, wing backs. Butcher, Southgate, Keon. Um, the industry of Beckham, Scholes and Platt and uh, Lineker and Wright. So that's us done, gentlemen. Um, we'll start with you, Rob. Is there, I mean, who who don't we, Trevor who don't Stevens. we have? Trevor Stevens not there, but I'm again. I'm surprised you didn't pick him right. He could play right wing back. He played there against Cameroon. No, he didn't actually. Yeah. No, he did. He played right back against Cameroon because they were in disarray. I mean, again, not much, but he's he's the one I looked at in terms of impact uh so ferdinand brian robson obviously but that he didn't happen in the 90s peter shilton um, Parler. paul parker Parler, as well as one. yeah parla yeah. hardly played i mean i thought about Letitia, but you can't justify it really um derigo barnby Bull. yeah i think i, I like what do you do what do you do i know i know i'm just uh... No, I mean, I liked him, but he, he played, came on in Euro 96. Steve Stone had his mad little six months where he could do nothing wrong. Mm. Rob Lee was another one like that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He played a fair bit, actually, Lee. I thought about him. Mm. But... Were you a bit surprised that Ferdinand, Les Ferdinand, um, didn't get a goal? But again, the, 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 Just, we have, yeah. we've concentrated all these goals in about four players, haven't we? Um, I'm just, there's yeah, not, I mean, I, not a huge I, spread around. Clearly, he's better than uh, Heskey, both overall and in the nineties. But I just, I was just thinking about Parkinson being a bit. Anal. I'm just gonna have a look at Ferdinand's five goals. So the Poland one was a big one. 
Um, see, the uh, first goal, San Marino. Third goal, San Marino. Second goal is a big one because they had to beat Poland. This is the game before they go to the Netherlands, but he scored the first in a 3 0. Then one in a friendly against Bulgaria and a good goal, which I'd forgotten away to a tough game in Georgia under Hoddle. But I mean, ultimately, five goals, two of them against San Marino. Again, no slow on him. I thought he was fantastic from about 93 97 in particular. Just didn't get didn't get enough chances, really. Yeah, Shearer was too good. He was. I think if you're going to build your to team have. around someone like Shearer, then it's it's going to marginalise other players. And it happened to him at Newcastle as well, didn't it? Although he did play a, had a decent season with Shearer, it eventually led to him leaving. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Maybe similar as well. The, the power pace and yeah, uh, precisely power, power and skill. You know. Um, oh, the other one is Beardsley, who I was yeah, half I, I know. Up front, but I don't think there's Beard, enough. I know. Yeah, I, know. I just don't think there's enough in terms of kind of tangible achievement. I'm saying which I've got somebody who's played four games, scored no goals, but it didn't do a huge amount. Italian ninety, partly through injury, and when he came back, he he was actually pretty good under Venables, but ultimately got left out of United six. Okay, <laughs> so, I mean we no, no Dennis Wise, yeah, John Salako. Salako no, was very briefly. Salako was very briefly the kind of golden boy as well around that music, that Australasia yeah. tour, and they played Germany, one lost one at home, and I think he was a big figure then. But yeah, Rob Jones briefly promised a hell of a yeah, lot, I know, and I know. then didn't quite happen. Um, Nigel Clough, yeah, yeah, quite a few there. Um, Dion Dublin. Andy Cole, nobody to oh, see. Yeah. Uh, right, Rob Fletcher, are you going to make any changes? Um, I was toying with putting Beardsley in for right, but I'm going to stick with Ian Wright, I think. Although they're possibly two very similar um, strikers, I'm, I'm going to leave them where they are. Yeah. Rob's kind of pricked my Rangers guilt. I'll, I'll, I'll swap Dixon for... Trevor's yeah, I think that's a good move. Um, I'm just looking at. I like Dixon, but I just, just don't think he really did yeah. it for England so much. I think team. I think, and also if back four, I would obviously have Dixon. Yeah, back five, I'd have. So Beardsley scored two goals in the nineties. That really good goal against Poland in a qualifier from miles out on the touchline. Then a goal I can't remember against Greece in a five nil, and Bellable's yeah. just taken over. So I think that's right. when you think of Beardsley and Lineker, you think of the eighties, don't you? Generally, yeah. and specific, particularly eighty-six. Yeah, so I think that's fair enough. Mister Smythe, any last-minute changes? No, I mean, I, I, I think I would be, I like, I, yeah, I'm tempted to replace Hefsky, but it would be my Catholic guilt would kick in. I'm trying to do <laughs> some crowd pleasing by picking bits and nothing else with that. Yeah, I'm quite okay. The, the wing backs are a bit iffy, but I do, but I still think it's New United sixteen. So sod it. All right, Rob. Happy with yours. Where, where do, where do my team and and and, and Rob's team uh, look good? Where do we look weak? Yeah, I'm sure and Sheringham obviously speaks for itself. Uh, I'm not having you referred now, but I completely get it. Stephen is the best by a mile. Um, midfield is pretty good. It's balanced. I mean, which well, for me is balanced. Yeah. yeah. I would take mine, but I get the all three. I think Batty in particular actually was I was surprised by how many games he played compared to other people. But actually then I thought about it and it made sense because he was a Hoddle loved him. He played him with Ints and three mm. centre backs, which is interesting. 
Um, and there was no one else. There was no one else other than Batty. He was Batty yeah. and Ince, and and that was it. Steve was... McMahon, whose main contribution to the nineties was to set up Kevin Sheedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah I like Rob's team a lot. Um, Linicron right maybe too similar maybe, but um, but you know nitpicking. Normally I'd set up midfields to attacking, but actually with three centre backs. And three setbacks as good as that, it's fine. And the other interesting thing is that Italian 90 England's midfield in the semi was Waddle, Platt, and Gascoigne, which is mm. no more attacking than that. No, 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 fine. Um, yeah. so, We've got um, Southgate ready to step forward as well and sweep. Yeah, so you could actually go to a back four if needed. You could actually go to a sort of you could go to a four four two diamond if you wanted, actually, mm. with that team quite easily. Southgate in Beckham and Platt skulls. Or either way, because skulls is the left side. Anyway, I'm going mm. rambling. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, weak points. I mean, maybe, maybe Neville in a back five as an attacker, but he was a good crosser. I think he became a better attacking fullback in the 2000s. Having said that, I mean, he would have been my first choice ahead of Anderton. Anderton's a better attacker. Neville's clearly a far better defender. So I would have taken Shilton over Flowers purely for the Cameroon game. But, you know, again... Just nitpicking, really. Uh, I like the balance. Okay. The balance of the centre backs is good, actually. Even the one thing yeah. I don't like about my team, and this is so anal, is that Walker and Campbell were both left sided mm. centre backs. But yeah. Campbell's right footed, so that's how I'm justifying it. And I don't even know why I care. No, you should know by now. <laughs> but I do. Um, Rob Fletcher, your thoughts on the other two sides? I think Shearer and Sheringham are always going to be the ones who stick out from this era. Yeah. Even if it's only for that game against Holland. And then Owen's always going to stick out because of the Argentina moment. I think it's interesting listening to the clips. It's that summer euphoria of hope that those moments brought at the time. Um, And obviously they only get stronger as they get further away. Do you remember where you were for Owen's goal? Can you picture it? For Owen's goal, yeah. Um, my dad was out watching it with his friends. Mm. Oh, of course, because you'd have been really young, wouldn't you? What, how I you? was 12. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And my mum said, I'm not watching the football downstairs. <laughs> so you can go to your bedroom and watch it. So I literally watched it on my own in my room. Oh, and my it was goodness. just an unbelievable moment at the time. I can um, still see. It was the night before my graduation ball, and I can still see plastic glasses of beer just going ab- miles in the air when he scored. It was just the absolute euphoria. I like that you've literally... So when we do this, Martin writes them all down in an Excel document, and he's literally put Shearer and Sheringham in a bigger font, so they stand out even more. I'm joking. I know, I know it's coming. Hangover from a kind previous of, document. I, no, but it, it kind of feels like a... No, I know, but it kind of feels quite appropriate because yes, does, they yeah. do just stand out on the page massively. I've got a thing about I've got, I've got um, an, an idea. I think a, a great book would be about those strikers of the nineties and what actually went on and why all those goals are yeah, concentrated yeah. into so few players. And that tra- a lot of the work that I did around the ninety-two book, there was so much in like shoot and match and world soccer and in the press about who is the next Lineker? Is it David Hurst? Is it White? Is it Wright? Yeah, is exactly. it? Um, Shearer, is it Letizia? There was so many people. This is before Fowler comes through, what, yep. two years later and scores 60 goals in two years or whatever it was. It was even, huge. Even do you remember the excitement around young players like Kevin Gallum when they won the under-19s? Yeah, he yeah. was having like 60 goals in a season. Julian yeah. Jochen was being compared to Romario Julian, in the Jochen. Observer. 
Um, yeah. And even when, when Shearer scored, I think on his debut against France, 2-0 in before Euro 92, there was almost more excitement about David Hurst then. There was. was. also making his debut. Um, I think that... He had problems with everything else. But it, the sliding doors are fascinating as well. What if Hurst goes to Man United? What if, I don't know, all kinds of things. The comment in the, pr- the press is... Stan um, Collymore is another one. I think the press comment was not who was going to replace Gary Lineker, but who will partner David Hurst. Yeah, see that because they yeah, were that certain it, it was going to be Hurst, and that was that. But I mean, yeah. really tragic and, injuries again with yeah, Hurst. Who, yeah, it was a great, great goal scorer, really yeah. brilliant goal scorer, and just timing as well. So he could have gone to Man United. Collymore was Ferguson's first choice before Andy Cole. Yeah, what, I mean, is his life different if he goes to United? Possibly. With poss- I mean, just so many sliding doors. So, even you know. When something went to Chelsea, could have gone somewhere else. Maybe it's too late by then. I don't know. But yeah, I find that whole era fascinating because I mean, interesting yeah, that Sutton so almost many. went to Sutton almost went to Arsenal. Yeah. Um, instead instead of Blackburn, so imagine a Sutton and Ian Wright partnership. Yeah, you wouldn't exactly. have possibly had Bergkamp, etc., yeah. etc. And it kind of moves that way, doesn't it? But even the impact on other players was very so. Ian Wright signing inadvertently derails the career of Alan Smith, who had been mm-hmm. Golden Boot winner twice in three years. Now, on paper, you think Smith and Wright, perfect, right? One back to goal, big man, one running in behind. But they just didn't. Smith, Smith's really honest about it in his book. I mean, he's a good guy and he's an articulate guy. But he based it on how bitter he became because it just kind of, it didn't ruin his career, but he just set it on a different path, really. Mm, he never yeah. scored more than 10 goals again when he was winning golden boots. There are so many moments like that. You can't know at the time, but they could have yeah. a really profound impact. There's definitely a point in uh, the alternative histories of, of, the tabloid yeah. predictions because there's so many mm-hmm. careers that are, oh how God. many times do you, you get it? and what the England team going to look like in, in 10 years we should say, I, yeah, I vividly remember 92 for 98 I forget what publication but it included Chris Bart Williams and Andy Orford of yeah. Portsmouth and yeah stuff like that they look stupid oh, now ju- yeah. the time yeah. Yeah. and always, in the 90s, door. That, that's, that's in, the 90s in the 90s the, the predictives always had some kind of sophisticated formation to show yeah. from the broadsheet writers yeah. showing that they were kind of a, a cut above tactically and that there's a brave new world to be found which they did anyway undervalables. we need to wrap up um i did like three very good teams i think is that they were always going to be i think you guys have better wing backs uh, adams and palace they'll they'll take care of Ferdinand, just guide them through um it is balance um i like your mr smythe uh a lot uh and rob's is great i, I lineker right I think we'll get in each other's way. I think they're too too similar for for me. Um, and yes, yeah, Southgate stepping out for for that Beckham schools Platman field, I think, is ideal. Butcher, I'd worry about just because of the time. Um, but very strong. But you will decide as always because this will be available in the usual places over the next couple of days. Thank you very much, Mister Rob Fletcher. Thanks, Martin. And thank you, Rob. Cheers, lads. We'll be back next week for 1984-85. There was time before the Premier League and the old first division. Until next time, bye for now.